Glenn Broggett here with Pioneer 90.1 FM, and I have a very special guest with me this morning. And my guest made headlines, uh, uh, whether or not she wanted to or not, uh, back in May of 1992, when she had her life turned upside down, when she was shot and, and left for dead by the alleged lover of uh, her husband, who was then, or Amy Fisher, who was then dubbed the Long Island Lolita. She is with us today to discuss her new book and give her side of the story, because I think her side of the story is something that's been greatly neglected. It's called Getting Through My Thick Skull. I would like to welcome to uh, Pioneer 90.1 FM a true survivor and a friend of this station, Ms. Mary Jo Buttafuco. Good morning, Glenn. How are you today? Oh, I'm great, thank you. Oh, I just uh, finished up reading the book. I, I bought it last week when I was uh, out of town, and I, I needed something to read on a long trip, and I really was going to get into it because we were talking with uh, getting an interview with you. I read that thing in right. two days. It was just such a, a great and a fascinating read. Uh, I have to give you compliments on, on, on this book. It is excellent. Oh, well, thank you very much. You know, that's really cool because that's kind of what I'm getting from people, that they can't put it down and it's, you know, a good read. And it means a lot to me because, you know, I, when I worked on it, it took a year and a half to work on this. You never know how the public is going to react to it. Mm -hmm. But I've been getting very, very good response. And I even debuted at number 20 on the New York Times bestseller list. I was so excited. Oh, that, is, oh, that congratulations. Nowhere to go with up. I hope so. Yeah, I but, hope so. I want to spread the word. Let's stay positive about that. You know, I'm really quite surprised, and a lot of people are surprised that uh, it's gotten to this point. It took this long for you to get this book together. I mean, a lot of people, right after something happens in their life, you usually see a book out within a couple of weeks, but you waited quite a long time to uh, tell your story. And what was the reasoning uh, behind that? Well, you know, obviously, I went through a very long journey, and... It was like putting it on paper. The reason I wrote the book now, um, I've always been asked, like you said, for years, you should write a book. They'd hear my story and go, my God, Mary Jo, you never said anything. You should tell your side of the story. And I always felt, you know, it's a story ad nauseum. You, you can see it on the Internet. It's the same old thing. I mean, it's just, it's just Joey, Amy, and oh, yeah, her, she got shot in the head. No big deal. But it was really a couple of years ago, uh, I was having a conversation with my son, who was 12 at the time I got shot and is now 29 years old. And we were talking about his father, and, uh, you know, I was lamenting for the eight millionth time, why does your father do the things he does? I, I don't understand him. He was, like, traipsing around New York with Amy Fisher, and it's like, oh, what is he doing? What is wrong with him? And my son said, he's a sociopath, Mom. And I went, what? Like, I, I, t in my head, I thought of a sociopath as Charlie Manson or Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, it's a behavior. I, I looked it up on the Internet because I thought myself, what's wrong with Dad? And I kind of found this out. So I started researching it and looking into it and talking to doctors. And I thought, my God, I was involved in this for years and didn't have a name for it or understand it. There's got to be other millions of people out there that, that are involved in these crazy relationships that they just don't understand or know how to get out of or, or how to, how to uh, diagnose it. So I started putting pen to paper and writing about some of my um, stories before I got shot. And it all made sense to me. And so for me, this book is more a, a story, I hope, of a, you know, a revelation that I had and then giving 
information and inspiration to people who might be involved with a sociopath and don't understand why their lives are so chaotic. You know, it's an easier said than done thing. When you when you see it from the outside, you see a relationship that is going uh, down the tubes and you don't really know why that person sticks with that person, you know, and it's really yeah. just up to that person in, in the moment. You know, sometimes you just don't see those things and you can step away from it a few years up the road. Then you can kind of piece it together. But a lot of the times you're just in the moment. I was so in the moment and didn't, wasn't aware. And I started going out with Joe when we were like 16 and 17 years old. So I loved his family. He loved my family. And we all got along really well. And it was just, I guess, as, as we got older and started to mature, I couldn't figure out why doesn't he? I'm growing up. Why isn't he growing up? His brothers and sisters are growing up. Why isn't he? But now understanding that he's a sociopath and a sociopath can lie to you, look right at you and swear on the lives of your children and your parents and everything that's holy, that what they're saying is the truth. And in their heads, they believe it, but it's because sociopaths have no guilt or remorse. Whatever that little trigger is in all of us that makes us feel bad if we hurt somebody or do something, it doesn't exist in them. So they just continue to do it over and over again. But because they're so charming and manipulative and, and you know, fun to be around, you don't understand that what they're doing is, is so hurtful. I think of, like we know now about Bernie Madoff, you know, that's a big mm-hmm. thing now that he, he stole and robbed and ripped off people for years and years and years, and yet everybody said he was a wonderful guy. Well, we call him a con man, but I'm saying, no, he's a sociopath. That's the, some of the traits of a sociopath. We believe them. Even if we're smart people, we believe them, and we get, we get enthralled by them, and we get caught up in them. Well, yeah, and, and they're, 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 the charismatic factor, too. I mean, it's a lot of times these people, they come on so strong with kindness and, and great gestures, then you don't really think about it, but then you get to wonder sometimes, is there a, you know, he's working this angle for bigger angles for his own benefit or his or her own benefit? Well, yes, uh, absolutely. That's all it is. It's about them constantly. And, you know, you have to start looking back and say, is it always somebody else's fault? Like everything that goes on in their life, it's not them, it's, it's somebody else, it's not me, uh, it's not my fault. And they kind of get you sucked in. But when you step back, if you, if you understand some of the signs and symptoms, and I, I write them in the book, you kind of say, oh, my gosh, step way back, get out of their lives, and everything starts to fall in place in your own life. And that's what happened with me, and that's why I wrote it. I wanted to share my experiences. I wish I had known 20 years ago what I was living with. I think I would have seen the signs, but I didn't know this existed, this behavior existed. To me, it always ended in death and destruction, and yet there are people, we, we know somebody knows a sociopath. I'm, I mean it. Like, it could be a friend that you know or a friend of a friend, or you have a co-worker, or maybe your parent is toxic, or you have a child, an adult child that's just, you know, draining the life out of you. And when you stop and think back and look, you go, this is what they are. You can educate yourself and you learn to walk away from them without any remorse or guilt. You feel better. It just it takes the weight right off of you. In reading in the book, too, uh, all of the stories of which you, you stand, you stood by your man through the times, even when, when Joe had problems with, with, with drug addiction and stuff, there was a story yeah. uh, that how that got in the, in the way of things in your, your life, too, together. Uh, you know, I read a, a great story about the house situation. Well, that. Yeah, right? I mean, you think if that didn't, boy, oh boy, but it, you know, it, up until that last moment, it was, it was not him, it was everybody and everything else, 
And you're right, after 10 years, and I thought that was his problem all the time, and I thought if he could just sober up, we'd be fine. And yeah, the day we're ready to move, he, he says to me, the money's gone. And I did not know. I knew this guy. I mean, I knew who he was. The whole family knew who he was. We didn't know he was his drug dealer. And there it went. And like in the book I say, I went to enabler number two, which was his father. And his father has been deceased for 13 years now. And I often think about him and think, he had a child who was a sociopath, and he drained my father-in-law dry year after year after year. But he was such a sweet, funny guy that you forgave him. You would just forgive him, and then you'd think, all right, he gets it. He's never going to do this again until the next time. Yeah, it always seems like the, the pattern continues. Whenever there's a, a lot of good, there's a lot of something else. And when did right. this, you know, we, we talk about, you know, what, what made headlines for you was, was the, the Amy Fisher incident. Uh, when did this all start to unfold? When did you start getting some sort of suspicions? I mean, there was, must have been things leading up to what happened there that, you know, with people coming to your house and whatnot. No, that's the amazing thing. I had no idea about her existence. I did write that she did come to my house earlier, six months earlier, and sold me candy. I didn't know it was her. I didn't put it together. Uh, you know, she was just a normal-looking teenage girl to me, and I had no reference. I had never heard her name before. So when she knocked on my door and uh, shot me, it was the first I'd heard of her. Whatever Joe and her had going on, I had no clue about it because he was that good and that much of a liar. Hmm. And yeah, and and then look at you know all and the stuff that you had to do, and all the things, all the months and stuff that you had to recover from that. And all the while, it just seemed like everywhere you looked, uh, you know, it was in the tabloid TV era. It was one of the big ones of the early yeah. '90s. How all of this stuff was just diverted on her, like she was the victim, but you were the one who got shot. Yeah, it was. That that's something else. It was so the phenomenon. Thank God the internet didn't exist then. I can't imagine what they how how much worse it could have been because it was bad. And you're right. It became all about Joey and Amy. Oh, and it was it's disgusting. And a couple of years ago, when I saw that on Entertainment Tonight or The Insider, one of those shows, when they were trying to stage this new reality show, it was just uh, driving me nuts. And I was just thinking how how you must have felt having just to deal with that pain in the neck. You know, you, you were removed from it to an extent, but it just seemed like it kept coming back. Well, that was the incident that, that started this whole journey into uh, writing this book. This was what I was so furious. Like, and my children, who are now adults, were furious. They're like, what is he doing? You know, this is, this is the woman that almost killed mom. What, do you, what the heck is he doing? And now knowing what he is and realizing sociopaths have no boundaries, he didn't think anything was wrong. He, he was just looking to try and make a living. That was, that was his... Um, you know, excuse, well, well the, the, the media did this to us, so if we can make money off of it, that's what I'm going to do. And, and the impact this thing must have had on, on your two children, too. I mean, you've got to talk about that as well. Yeah, it, it, it was terrible. I mean, as they've said to me, they don't know what life was like before this. They were little. They were, mm -hmm. Jessica, my daughter, was nine, oh. and my son was 12. And now, looking back, you know, you don't remember much in your life before you're, nine or ten mm -hmm. and they've said to me this has been in their lives longer than they've been on this earth so they don't even know or re recall what life was like when, when it was normal so to speak before this you know and, and how did you finally just you know after all of this happened you know you and joe were still together but how when did that moment come that you finally just decided you know it's time to break free i gotta go and start living my life this seems like i i've been going back and forth with you and it's just right. not working out. I'm discovering more things that I don't want to discover about you each and every month and day that passes. Well, that, that was it. The reasons that I stayed weren't 
around anymore. Uh, you know, I stayed because I was too sick. I was in a lot of pain, and I had had surgeries and blood transfusions for a long time. And the kids were little, and they were so traumatized by what happened. Mommy almost got killed right in front of their house. Um, I, I, I'm that Irish Catholic uh, bred 60s and 70s where, you know, you don't get a divorce. You suffer your nice Irish Catholic martyr syndrome. Uh, and, and the fact that I now realize I was married to a very, very good liar who was a sociopath, those, those things, those factors all started to go away as the children grew up and as how I got healthier and stronger. So it was not one moment. It, you know, my marriage died a very slow death. I, I kind of write about it that way, and that's what it was. It was just, I got to get out of this. I got, I got older, and I got tired, and I was like, this is what is going on? Why am I? Why is there constant turmoil in my life with this man? So it was just making that decision, not understanding back in the year two thousand when I left, not understanding the sociopath aspect. Just the marriage is over, and all these years later, now understanding, I, I could have ended it a long time ago and probably gone through a lot less heartache. Mm-hmm. Now, when you got you know, when you broke away from Joe and you started getting now you you got into the, the the dating scene. Now, this was something that was wasn't too familiar territory for you, being you know with Joe back since the high school days. Now, what was it yeah. like in your pursuit of love? I mean, uh, it, it, I wasn't pursuing love at all. I figured I've got way <laughs> too much baggage. Who the heck is going to want to be with me? I just thought you know what, I'm going to live the rest of my life and take care of me. I, you know, my children are grown up, and I'll, I'll just move on and take care of my life. Certainly, I did not pursue love, which I think is the greatest gift of all, because yeah. I found it uh, not expecting it at all, at all. And I found it in, in the form of, uh, you know, Stu Tendler, my fiancé. Now, how long have you guys uh, been together? I read uh, about your, you know, how you guys ended up getting together. It's just, it's just a wonderful story. It seems like he's a, a very strong man and a very good-hearted. That's what's so amazing. Yes, he's at, we've been together seven years now. Oh, wonderful. And, yeah, and he has three children and my two. And it's amazing how, how easy it is in the sense that, our children all get along with each other, and I have this normal adult relationship. And I didn't know that existed. I, I was always, the, you know, it turned into, Joey and I turned into what were teenagers and then young married couple, turned into a mother-son relationship where I was the mother and he was the bad boy. And then my children started to outgrow him, and it was like, oh, boy, you know, this is what is going on. So now in this great mature relationship, it's just been a pleasure and an added bonus. I didn't expect this in my 50s at this stage of my life. So it every day is a gift. It really, really is, and I'm so appreciative of it. Oh, and it's just wonderful to have to have somebody in your life, too, that didn't share with you and go down that road, you know? Yes, and he's, he is very strong because... You know, he's listening to me constantly now talking about my ex, my ex-husband and his <laughs> life, and he's proud of me. He's proud of me. He feels this is important, Mary Jo. People need to know this about people, and so he's so proud of what I'm doing and behind me. You can't ask for anything more than that. Oh, that's good. And we have uh, maybe one or two more questions here before we uh, we, we go on our uh, separate ways today. What are the okay. three important issues that people will learn from from reading this book? Hmm, three important issues. Or lessons. Well, Le- lessons, issues, whatever you want to call it there. I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hope, one, that I can inspire people. That's really my point of doing it, to, to retell the story that you can look online and 
on any day of the week or check out any video. It was not my, my point in this. It was to educate. I hope people get educated um, and see maybe somebody or in their life that is similar and realize, like, wow, you know, and look up and, and learn about sociopathic behavior to inspire some people that are maybe going through very rough times that, gee, you know, I, Mary Jo went through hell. Mary Jo went through hell, and she came out on the other side, and she's stronger than ever. That's too, and, and I just, I just want to help people. I'm, I'm finding this passion for this now that I, here I am in my middle years, I'm almost reinventing myself, and I want people to know this, this subject, sociopaths. I want them to know about the subject, and I'm finding it so um, inspiring for me to go out and, and talk about this. This is lovely. I thought I'm just a middle-aged lady now. I'm going to go quietly out into into pasture and live the rest of my life. And now look at this. I've reinvented myself, and uh, I feel good about it. And I just want to thank you for, for stopping by. First of all, before we go, uh, do you have any uh, other final words for our listeners today uh, before we go? Well... Final words. I know you those know, are always so difficult when someone says I that. Know, it's like, oh, I know. what do you have? It's like it's not what gonna do be I like, have to sound like yeah, like somebody like Maya Angelou or something <laughs> here. <laughs> and it's just I would just say live your true self. If you've got something in your gut and it doesn't feel right, it isn't. And listen to your heart, because I didn't do that for many, many years, and I'm sorry I didn't. Um and that's my thing to say to people, listen to your guts because they usually are right and, and live your true authentic life. The book is called Getting It Through My Thick Skull. My guest today was author Mary Jo Buttafuoco. Thank you so much for coming on my radio show. I heard you on Howard Stern. You did really good on that recently. Oh, I love <laughs> Howard. He's, he's great. <laughs> you have to be on Howard's term when you go there. But I've been very blessed. He likes me very much, and we've had this relationship for like 17 years now, so... Uh, yeah, you're that's right. I did talk to you. You said you heard me on that. So, yeah. yes, this is a much, much uh, calmer interview. Thank yeah. you very much, Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> we got two or three other guys that listen around me at my where at, at my other job. There, well, the day that you were on, oh, we, we we had about twenty minute discussions when we should have been working. But ah, what the heck? You got to live life sometimes. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Mary Jo. Thanks a lot, Glenn. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. For Pioneer ninety point one okay. FM. This is Glenn Broggett.